Amen. Beyond us, everyone say that. Beyond us. In Genesis chapter 49, Jacob is on his deathbed and he gathers his 10 sons to his bedside and he begins to uh, pronounce on some blessings and then prophesies uh, of their future. But he also rebukes some of his sons during this time um, of this deathbed blessing confession type thing. And so Joseph, being one of the sons, receives one of the prophecies that the father uh, gives out, Jacob gives out. So his prophecy far exceeds the others, the other uh, nine's prophecies. Uh, for instance, uh, eight out of the ten um, sons get one verse, just one verse, a prophecy or rebuke. The only one besides Joseph who gets more than one verse is Judah. Judah means what? Praise. Judah, the tribe of Judah. Judah means praise. Judah gets two and a half verses. And part of the prophecy that's spoken to Judah, um, Jacob said that your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. And I know there is a literal translation to that, but there's also a spiritual and a figurative translation that goes with that. And to me, what that says is simply this. Um, praisers, it pays to praise. So it's important. We know the importance of praise. We understand all of that. But what he tells us that when we praise God during those times of worship and adoration unto him, that we are literally choking the plots, the plans, the schemes, the devices that the enemy would try to form and plan against us, we're really choking those things out of our lives. And so that's why I think one of the reasons the enemy wants to keep us silent. I believe that's one of the reasons he wants us to be quiet in praise so that we can't choke out the plans that he has formed or the weapons that he's formed against our life. So how many of you know it pays to praise? Come on, let's put our hands together then and praise the Lord right now. Literally choking the plan of the enemy from forming in your life. But then he gets to Joseph, and I'm going to read. It's pretty extensive. And I want to read from the Amplified Version because it kind of breaks some things down for us. And so Joseph gets five verses, and I want you to look at these five verses. It says, Joseph is a faithful bough, a main branch of the vine, a fruitful bough by the spring, a well, a fountain. Its branches run over the wall influencing others. Verse 23, the skilled archers have bitterly attacked and provoked him. They have shot at him and harassed him, but his bow remained firm and steady in the strength that does not fail. For his arms were made strong and agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob, by the name of the shepherd, the stone of Israel, by the God of your father who will help you and by the almighty one who blesses you with blessings of heavens above, blessings lying in the deep that couches beneath, blessings of the nursing breast and the fertile womb. The blessings of your father are greater than the blessings of my ancestors, Abraham and Isaac, 
up to the utmost bound by of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph, even the crown of the head of him who was, distinct, who was the distinguished one and the one who is prince among separated, separate from his brothers. Now, there's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot to go through there. But this is the pronounced blessing and prophecy that Jacob spoke over Joseph's life. But mixed within the prophecy over his life, Joseph gives reference to the suffering, or Jacob gives reference to the suffering that Joseph had to go to, go through. And he talks about the trials and he talks about the tests that Joseph endured. Did you notice he said that there were those who took aim at him? There were those who took their arrows and shot at him? Because any time that you're doing anything for God, you become a target to your adversaries. People are going to take shots at you anytime you step out and do anything for God. It's just part of the process of serving God. But notice none of these things harmed him. None of these weapons formed against him prospered. He also goes on to say that you endured all of these trials and all of these tests. This is what I can promise you. I can promise you that someone who is blessed of the Lord has gone through many tests, many trials, and much adversity in their life. That's why we should never be envious. That's why we should never be jealous of someone who's walking in the favor and the blessing of God because you never know what they had to go through in order to get to what they have right in their life right now. So rather than being envious and rather than being jealous of them, we should join with them and celebrate with them knowing that if God blessed them and God favored them, then if we will rejoice with them, then God can favor us and God can bless us as well. Amen? So I can assure you that by the time that you get to this point of blessing that Joseph is in his life, that you have gone through many seasons of brokenness. As a matter of fact, it was 15 years from the time that Joseph received the dream to the time that that dream actually came to fruition in his life. And so sometimes God gives us a snapshot of our future, of where we're going but God doesn't tell us how we're going to get there, right? Joseph had this dream, but God did not reveal the nightmare in which he would have to experience in order for that dream to become a reality. Because many times if God would unveil the whole picture to us, we would be too timid and too afraid to step into the destiny that God has for our lives. And so God gives us piece by piece. God many times shows us the end from the beginning, and it's the dream that keeps us going. It's the dream that motivates us. It's the dream that encourages us. It's the dream that says in the suffering and in the sorrow times of our life, we know that there's a better day ahead. Does anybody know what I'm talking about today? That there's a better day ahead of us. So keep dreaming and keep holding on to that dream. And J J Joseph was one of those ones who was able to do that. But I want you to notice something that Jacob said about Joseph. He said, even though you have suffered greatly. He said, you remained faithful. 
That's key because there are people who will suffer things, but they don't remain faithful through their suffering. But Joseph remained faithful even though he was going through trial after trial after test in his life. It's one thing to, re it's one thing to go through something. It's another thing to remain faithful when you're going through it. And Joseph is an example of that. And he said, because you have been faithful, your fruit has impacted others. He said, your branches have reached over the wall. In other words, your fruit went beyond you. And the fruit that has been produced in your life has influenced others around you. In other words, Joseph, I noticed something about you. I noticed that you didn't hoard the blessing. I noticed that you didn't keep the blessing to yourself. As a matter of fact, Joseph, I noticed something about you. I noticed that you were willing to bless those who mistreated you. I noticed that you were willing to bless those who lied about you. I noticed that you were willing to bless those who tried to destroy you because we read in the Bible that he blessed his brothers. He blessed the Egyptians. He even blessed Potiphar and his wife, the ones who lied and had him thrown into prison. He blessed them. And the reason I know that he blessed them was because the Bible said that he kept his brothers, he kept the Egyptians, and he kept... Potiphar and his wife alive during the seven years of famine in which he had the power to bring about uh, judgment upon his brothers, upon Potiphar and his wife, and anyone he chose because he was now second in charge of all of Egypt. And so rather than choosing to bring judgment on them, he blessed the people who really didn't even deserve to be blessed. Now, you know you have something. You know that you have something in your life. You know that you have something that's greater in you than you yourself when you're able to bless those who don't deserve your blessing. When you're able to bless those who don't deserve to be blessed, but yet you still look at them and because God has blessed you and because God has been good to you, you turn around and bless them and are good to them. In other words, Joseph went beyond himself to bless others and God saw it and God said through Jacob, he said, I'm now going to give you, Joseph, a double portion. In other words, Joseph, I'm going to give you double for all the trouble that that you've had in your life. How many can use, how many can have a double or ready for double for all the trouble that you've gone in your, through in your life? That's the kind of God that we serve. God says, I'm going to give you double for your trouble. And so this is what happens. Jacob gathers his 10 sons, Joseph being one of them. But the Bible tells us something. The Bible said there are how many tribes? There are 12. There are 12 tribes of Israel. The 12 tribes are coming from Jacob's sons. So if he has 10 sons, we have a problem because there are 12 tribes. But here's what happened. If you go back to our chapter 48, um, Jacob tells Joseph, stay with me. We're going somewhere. He says, I'm going to adopt your two sons. He said, I'm going to adopt Ephraim, whose name means God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. And I'm going to adopt Manasseh, whose name means God has made me forget all of the pain, 
all of the sorrow, all of the suffering, all of the betrayal, Joseph said, God has caused me to forget all about that. Why? Because of the blessing that God has bestowed upon his life. Now, listen to what he says. He says, so Jacob says, these two boys are now going to be my sons, and I'm going to give them the share of a son. And this is how we end up with the 12 tribes of Israel. In other words, he was saying, Joseph, because of everything that you went through, because you went beyond yourself, because you went beyond yourself and you were willing to bless others, those that you didn't have to bless. He said, you did not allow, you did not allow the wall to hinder you. What's that wall? That wall speaks of any distraction. That wall speaks of any obstacle, any setback, any trial, any test that we go through. In other words, because you didn't let this wall, these tests that you had to go through, you didn't let them hinder you, but rather you extended beyond the walls. You extended beyond all of the tests and the trials that you went through to bless others. Because of that, I'm going to bless your house. I'm going to bless your sons, and I'm going to bless your life. How many are thankful that God looks at everything that we go through, and when we remain faithful, God says, I'm going to give you double for all of it, and I'm going to bless you. Not only, not only am I going to bless you, I'm going to bless your children and their children as well. How many of you know this is a generational blessing that God's wanting to put upon our lives. So after being mistreated by his brothers and others for the majority of his life, I asked myself the question, what would cause Joseph to be so generous? What would cause him to be so kind? What would cause him to be so forgiving? What would cause him to be willing to bless those who mistreated him. What caused Joseph? What stopped him from becoming bitter and mean-spirited? What stopped him from becoming revengeful? The answer is found in verse 22. It's kind of hidden in here, but you have to unpack it and you have to dig a little deep and you'll find it. And this is what it says. It says that this branch, this vine, talking about Joseph and his life, he said... It is by what? A well or a fountain? Its branches run over the wall and it influences others. Notice that he said, Joseph, your life was connected to a life-giving source. You were connected to that well. And so the reason that Joseph was so generous, so kind, so forgiving, the reason that he remained so faithful was because Even though he went through all of these hardships, he found the well. He was connected to the well. Well, that doesn't mean anything to any of us until we understand the spiritual significance behind this. Because Jesus comes along years, thousands of years later, and he ties this story together. And I want you, if you have time this week, to read John chapter 4. Because remember, Jesus said this. I must needs go through Samaria, King James Version. He said, I got to go through Samaria, where Jews would go out and around because they didn't want to be known or they didn't want to connect with the Samaritans because the Samaritans, long story short, was a part of Jews 
who intermarried with different, different nationalities, worshiped different gods. And so the full-blooded Jews wanted nothing to do with these mixed Jews, okay? So they said, we can't affiliate with them, associate with them. But Jesus said, I'm going right where you told me I shouldn't go. In other words, I'm going to reach beyond myself. I'm going to reach beyond your religion. I'm going to reach beyond segregation. I'm going to reach beyond separation. I'm going to reach beyond racism. And I'm going to go right to the place where this lady needs to tap into the life-giving source, the life of myself. And so Jesus did the unthinkable. Jesus reaches beyond the wall. And I just wonder if the church is really ready to reach beyond our wall. I wonder if we're really ready to reach beyond those who don't look like us, talk like us, act like us, believe like we believe, believe in what we believe in. I really wonder if we're willing to reach beyond that, set aside those differences so that we can throw them or show them that there is another way and his name is Jesus. Amen. They worshiped all these other gods and Jesus went to her when nobody else would go to her and offered her a lifeline. I'm telling you right now, and I don't need to start naming names, and I don't need to start getting into different things. But this is a different day that we live in. And we can't cocoon ourselves in the four walls of this church and just stay satisfied with those of us who are here. But we must be willing to reach beyond ourselves. And we must be willing to reach to those that no one else is reaching. We must be willing to reach those that the religious group has already written off. And we must be willing to reach out to them and let them know that we have the answer and his name is Jesus and he can change everything. Beyond us and beyond ourselves. Jesus gets to this woman and she comes to him and he said, listen, oh, by the way, Samaria was the area in which Manasseh and Ephraim occupied. The two sons of Joseph are right here and Jesus is right there and he's right at Jacob's well. And this is what he said. He said, if you knew, if you knew the gift of God and if you knew who it was was asking you to give me a drink, you would say, give me this living water. He said, I'm not talking about this well right now. I'm talking about eternal life. And so the well that I'm talking about with Joseph is seen in Christ. He is that well. He is that life-giving source. He is the one who's satisfied. Jesus told her, he said, if you drink from this well, you're going to thirst again. But if you drink from me, you're never going to thirst again. How many can testify to that today? How many have drunk from so many different wells? We've drunk from all of these other wells, but we always came back thirsty and empty. But once we drunk from the well of Jesus, we, we knew that he was the one. He satisfied us, right? We never needed anything else but him. I am so thankful that Jesus was willing to come to where I was and meet me where I was rather than me trying to get cleaned up to get to the, him. He came to me and said, drink and you'll never be the same again. And I did and I've never been the same again. If that's you, come on and put those hands together and give God praise today. Jesus is the well. Joseph drank from that well and when he found it, 
He didn't hoard it. He didn't keep it to himself. He shared that life-giving source. He reached beyond his walls. He reached beyond himself, and he became a resource for others. Now, what about us? What are we doing with this well? Are we keeping it to ourselves? Are we hoarding up the blessings of God that God has blessed us with? Are we withholding forgiveness towards those who have done us wrong when God has forgiven us of many things? Are we withholding the power to bless? Are we withholding the blessing when God has given us the ability to bless others? I'm not just talking about those who've done us right. I'm talking about blessing those who've done us wrong, reaching beyond ourselves and blessing them and letting them know, you may have meant it for my harm, but God meant it for my good. God used it for his glory, and God used it for his honor. I'm telling you right now, church, God can take any season of your life, mix it together with his good, turn it around, and make a blessing out of it. I don't care what you've gone through. I don't care what you've experienced. God can use it for his glory. Yes, he can. Are you reaching beyond yourself? And I'm talking to myself as well. Or is it all about me, mine, and ours? Or are we reaching beyond ourselves? Is our influence reaching beyond these four walls? That's the question that we have to ask ourselves. I shared and showed with you the video, and we went over there last week, just to get a taste of where God is taking us, just to get a snapshot and a picture of what God is getting ready to do in our life. God has blessed us with a 30,000-square-foot facility Seven and a half acres, prime property. God has blessed us. And I'm just throwing this out here right now because I don't want this mindset as we enter into that place. I don't want us to think this is it. I don't want us to think we've arrived. I don't want us to think now it's time to settle. I don't want us to get to that place where, you know, okay, we've made it. No, that's not it. This is just another chapter in the history and the story that God is writing about Life Point Church. It's not that we've made it. It's not that this is it. This is just another chapter that God is writing in our story. And we cannot take that property and take that facility and keep it all to ourselves and say this is just us and no one else. But we have to be willing to reach beyond ourselves. We have to be willing to reach beyond what's happening right here, right now, and say God use this as an influence to this community. Use this church as an influence to this region so that we can reach as many people with the message of Jesus Christ as possible. We have the answer. We know where the well is. We need to reach beyond ourselves, and that's what we're going to do in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe it. Worship the Lord with me and give him praise today. God has been too good to us. For us to just keep it to ourselves. He's been too good to us for us to hoard the blessing to ourselves. We have to take this life-giving source. And God says, I want to use your life. I want to use my church as a resource to reach out 
and to minister and to touch those that nobody's reaching. And I believe God's going to do it. God told me a long time ago, he said, if you'll take the ones nobody wants, I'll send you the ones everyone wants. Some of you get it later. Yeah. Because we can't pick and choose who we want. This is his harvest. They're his people. They all belong to him, right? And we can't pick and choose who we want. But if we'll take what God sends us, and if we'll bless, and if we'll reach out beyond us, I'm telling you, God will bring the people in, and God will bring the resources in, and God will help us. God will help us reach and make an influence and an impact in this community. I believe it with all of my heart. I do believe that. But we can't hoard it, and we can't keep it. And we can't get to the place where we said we have arrived because most people, most churches, when they get to that place, when they get that building, when they get that property, they just settle in and they start to maintenance mode. Let's just maintain what we have. I'm preaching about our future. We're not going to enter into maintenance mode. Come on, church. We're not going to enter. We're going to continue to go beyond ourselves. Say beyond us. I thought about the dream. I thought about the dream that Joseph interpreted for Pharaoh. How many of you know your gift will make room for you? See, too many people in the body of Christ are trying to force themselves in a place that God has not called them to. But if you have the gift, your gift will make room for you. And Joseph had the gift. He had the gift of what? Interpretation. And so no one else had that gift and they were unable to interpret Pharaoh's dream, so they called Joseph out of the prison. How many of you know God will call you when it's time? He will call you when it's his time. Here comes his influence. And he interprets Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh has this dream. He, sees, he said, I saw seven. He said, I saw healthy, fat cat cows eating. They were just in abundance. And then he said, the dream changed, and it shifted, and this is what I saw. He said, then these thin, scrawny cows ate the seven fat cows. Here's what I want you to see. But afterward, you wouldn't have known it. That struck me. That just pierced my spirit, for they were still as thin and scrawny as before. And too many times we just read over things. And this is what I thought about. We can come here and we can eat and we can receive the blessings of God. But does it really show after we leave? <laughs> These seven cows was representing the seven lean years of famine they were getting ready to enter into. In other words, what he was saying, listen. We need to prepare, prepare now because these seven years of famine are going to eat up all of the bountiful years that we're experiencing. And I wonder, after we come and after we eat and after we are blessed and when we leave, does anyone notice? Do they see a change in us? Do they see a difference in us? Do we take what God has given us within these four walls and in our groups and do we move it beyond ourselves and beyond our group? Does anyone outside of our little influence 
know about the well that we have found. I knew it would get quiet. Does anyone else know about it? Does anyone else know the reason you are blessed? Does anyone know who blessed you? When you're given the opportunity to share that blessing, are you like Joseph? God is the one who gifted me. God is the one who called me. God is the one who enabled me. Or does no one see the difference? There was a time that early on in my ministry, I preached for inspiration. In other words, I wanted you to be inspired. That's part of preaching. Part of preaching is inspiring people. That's good. And then there was a time where I just wanted to gather and gather and glean and glean and just grow and know. And so it was more information, teaching just to inform people. And that's good. We need to be informed. Inspiration, information's important. But then it dawned on me, what good is it for us to be inspired? What good is it for us to be informed if we're not being transformed? And it shifted the whole thought process of preaching and teaching. So it's not just for uh, inspiration. It's not just for information. Because if what we're getting in here doesn't change us, we need to do something else. But I believe the gospel has the power to change lives. I said, I believe the gospel has the power to change lives. I believe this gospel changed my life. I believe Jesus changed me. I couldn't change me, but Jesus changed me. And I can't help but to keep, I can't keep this to myself. I need to share this with someone else. And I pray that when I teach and when I preach, that there's a transformation that takes place in our life, not only in your life, but in my life as well. I have to be transformed as well. not about information. It's not about inspiring us. It's about change. Everyone say change. We have to be changed. They ate, but they weren't changed. They acted the same. Nothing changed. I don't want to be that type of church. I want to be the church that when we eat, we change. Can I get an amen right there? Listen, here's what I'm trying to get you to see. I'm trying to get you to see, and I know you know this. I know you know it, but I'm trying to get you to see. God saved you, and God saved me so that he could use us as a resource. God saved us so that he could use our time that he's blessed us with, not just the one hour and 30 minutes on Sunday, but the other 166 and a half hours during the week. God saved us as a resource that he could use us as a resource with our talents. You're gifted. You're talented. God's blessed you. He's gifted you with certain things, not to keep with yourself, but to share with others. God's blessed you financially. Come on, church. He's blessed you financially. Your time, your talent, your treasure. And I wonder about the church. I knew when I was going to preach this message, I was going to tick some people off. 
but you're going to pray and you're going to be all right. I just don't get it. And the first, first service didn't get what you're getting right now, so don't ask me why God's having me go down this road, but here we go. I just don't get it. I don't get how only 20% of the body of Christ actually biblically tithe. I don't get it. I'm not talking about life point. I'm talking about the body of Christ. 20%. Boy, it's getting tight right now. God's blessed you. God's blessed us. And I know some of you are doing better than you're letting on. I see what you drive up in here in. I'm coming after you. I see some of the vacations you take. Because you post them on Facebook. (laughs) And you ain't driving that and going there on that budget. I guarantee you're not. I'm asking you, and I'm asking this church, are we willing to go beyond ourselves? Are we really willing to stretch this vine that's connected to this well, the fruit that can come off of this vine that can impact others? Could you imagine if if 50% of the body of Christ would biblically tithe? I'm coming at you. Could you imagine what we could do? Could you imagine... If everyone got the revelation of it and 100% of the body of Christ was giving, Jesus would come. I'm going to tell you why. Because we would preach this word across the world. That's when he's coming, when everyone has heard the gospel message. Say beyond me, beyond myself. That's what happened to Joseph. He didn't keep it to himself. And when he gave... God gave him more. He said, I'm going to bless you more than Abraham. I'm going to bless you more than Isaac. I'm going to bless you more than Jacob. He said, you're going to be so stinking blessed. It's going to get on your sons. And it's going to get on your grandchildren. Why? Because he is a generational God. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. That's why it says in in Malachi chapter 3, he said, I'm going to pour you out a blessing you can't contain. You know why you can't contain it? It's not meant just for you. It's meant to bleed over into your children and and your grandchildren and so on and so forth. If you want your house blessed, give what God has blessed you with and watch and see what God will do. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm just trying to let us see that the blessing of the Lord, I'll say it this way, you will never, ever go wrong with giving. I don't care if it's your time. I don't care if it's your talent. I don't care if it's your, you'll never go wrong with your giving to the kingdom of God. You'll never do it. 
If you believe it, go ahead and put those hands together and give, give him praise. I got to hurry because I'm already six minutes over. Look at this scripture with me. Beyond ourselves. Say beyond me. So Paul takes a missionary team to the continent of Asia. And the Bible said he's there for two years. All right? Two years. And this team is preaching and they're teaching. They're going from house to house to house. I want you to look at what happened. And this continued for how many years? Why? So that all who what? Help me. How many heard? Come on, come on. How many heard? All of them heard the word. <laughs> All of them. Are you telling me the entire continent of Asia heard the gospel without social media, without an airplane, without a car, without a printed press, all of them heard the gospel. How is that possible? I'll tell you how it's possible. <laughs> all in, fired up, sold out believers said, we found something that we can't keep to ourselves. We can't just hoard this thing to ourselves. We have to tell somebody about what we found. And so the body of Christ spread out and covered that continent and preached the message of Jesus all across that region until everybody in that region heard the message. What would happen if we took what we get in here or what we get at home and took it to our neighbor and took it to our coworker and took it to our classmate and started sharing the good news? Could we convert and could we preach the gospel at least to this region? I believe we could and I believe we should and if I believe we will I want to show you what will happen. Next verse, I got to hurry. Look what happens. So they're reaching with one hand and they're sharing the gospel. God then takes the other hand of Paul and does what? God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought to him from his body. The sick and the disease left them and evil spirits went out of them. This is where we get the concept of prayer cloths. And they brought aprons and handkerchiefs and they gave them to Paul. Paul prayed for him, laid his hands on him and gave them back. And they took these pieces of cloth and they went to those who were sick and they went to those who were diseased and they went to those who were possessed and laid those cloths on them. And what's the Bible say happened? The Bible said they were healed and they were delivered and they were set free. And the Bible said that God brought unusual miracles through the hands of Paul. Here's what God told me and I believe it. God said this. God said, if you'll reach beyond yourself. And if you'll teach this church to reach beyond themselves, to throw the vine over the wall and to let the fruit from this house reach others. He said, I'll take, he said, you'll take that hand and reach out. He said, I'll take the other hand and with the other hand, I'll use it 
and you'll see miracle after miracle after miracle take place. Unusual miracles. Someone say, why don't we see the blind eyes open? Because we haven't reached out yet. Why don't we hear? Why don't the deaf hear? Because we've not reached out yet. Why don't the lame walk? Because we've not reached out yet. But when we do, when we do, God's going to take the other hand. And I'm telling you, we're going to see a manifestation of miracles, not just in here. You want to limit God? Not just in here, but I'm talking about on your job, in your school, at the grocery store. God working through you, unusual miracles. I believe it can happen. I believe it will happen. Amen. And I'm out of time, so I need you to stand with me this morning. Come on. Come on, let's give the Lord praise. Here's what I'm asking of you. And you have, and I'm not saying we haven't, but this is what I'm asking. I'm asking that you reach with me further than we've ever reached before. I'm asking that we extend our reach. And I believe God's going to give us the concept. I believe God's going to give us the ways in which to do that. But God right now, God right now has to prepare our heart to see beyond ourselves, to get beyond ourselves. And I'm asking you to help me. And I, like I said, you already have, but we're going to reach further than we ever have before. And I'm asking you to reach with me to reach the lost. Can't pick and choose which ones they are, but to reach the lost. I'm asking, I'm asking you to reach with your time, with your talent, and with your treasure like you've never done before. I'm asking, I'm asking for us to step it up and reach beyond where we are right now. I'm asking you to reach beyond the relationships that you already have and start cultivating and developing new relationships. Reaching beyond where you are right now. And I just simply believe that God will do what he said he would do that unusual miracles would begin to manifest. Amen. Where we just step back and we say, you know what? The only thing that I can say is God. God. That's the only, that's the only explanation, God. I can't explain it to you. There's no formula. There's no pattern. There's, it's God. Last week, this is what the x-ray said. Today, this is what it says. God. God unusual miracles last time they said no but this time they said yes but God but God how many of you believe that he wants to do it how many believe he's going to do it
Amen. So, Father, here's what I want you to do in this house right now. I want you to lift up both hands, and I want you to look at that as a vine lifting up, as a vine stretching out.